Good morning. My name is Jim Rowan. I get to serve as the missions pastor here at Central. And I'd like to introduce you to some friends. This is Mrs. Cheryl Robertson. This is Mr. Scott Robertson. Members of our church. They used to sit over there, right there. Several years ago, they've been in the foreign mission field for 20 years, which makes me feel old, old, old. Because their kids are still supposed to be about that size. That's right. (laughs) So you're out in the foreign mission field. Who are you with? Well, we're serving with the International Mission Board, which is supported by Southern Baptist Churches. And Central is one of those churches who has supported us and loved our family over lots of years and ups and downs and moves. Thank you, Central. And what are you doing in the field? Well, you know, our call is to look and engage with people from a South Asian background. And what that means is people from India or Pakistan or Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. And we want to see them hear about the good news of God's love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And so what we do is we're engaging with them. Many of them have moved to the United Kingdom where we live. We live in a place called Leicester, about two hours north of London. And um, our community is 55 percent people from somewhere else. And in that process, we uh, engage those folks and pray with them simple things like you're doing. We take the opportunity to tell them the gospel. And then we train them up how to lead Bible studies. So if someone comes to faith, they'll know what to do, right? And uh, we do that uh, to reach out to the nine out of ten people across the UK who don't know Jesus. And, and so we use a wide net strategy. We're, we're training lots of folks, doesn't matter where they come from, to be disciple makers. Sounds pretty ambitious. How's yeah. it going? Well, it's going well, but like Scott mentioned, it's challenging with so many people not following Christ. Um, but we've seen some movement towards Christ. And in fact, recently, um, a friend of ours named Vicki let us know that she was able to share the gospel with one of her coworkers at school. And Steph decided to turn and follow God. And so now they're doing a Bible study once a week after school on, on their campus and have asked others to join. And Steph is taking these stories that she's learning and sharing with her husband and her daughter. So you can continue to pray as she shares with her friends and network. Um, also, I'm also leading another study that's very similar to what we're doing, except it's all done orally. And this is a study to help people who have had heart wounds to find healing through the stories of Jesus and God's word. And as they are empowered and set free, they are able to then go out and to share these stories with others. In fact, there's a, a young lady in my group from last year who is doing a study with a young Muslim gal and another gal who's really doubting her faith and who God is. And uh, they learned the story of the bleeding woman, and they were really touched about how God used Jesus to speak kindly to the woman and to listen patiently to her story. In fact, when they heard the story again in a special kind of way, they were both very emotional about it, and the Muslim girl was crying. Uh, So you can be praying as they finish up their study tomorrow morning um, on video. Uh, So, yeah, it's been very good. Very neat. Now for the hard question. Scott, how did you ever... Decide you're supposed to grab your family and run to Uzbekistan. Yeah, well, you know, that's a good question. You know, it really started, uh, my journey started when I was in university. I went to Texas A&M and our BSU director at the time, thank you. One. Uh, one. <laughs> yes, only one. That was me Aggies in this group as there was earlier. So, Anyways, um, uh, you know, he had a heart to see, he'd say, an Aggie in every nation. And uh, in working on the border between Texas and Mexico, I just really sensed God calling me to surrender my American dream of owning a house or whatever 
and just to follow him. And in that journey, it wasn't immediate. We didn't go across the ocean. As a matter of fact, we waited until we had four small kids. We were actually members here at Central. And uh, being and living life like you did and just looking for opportunities to serve the community, to share and to obey. And um, in that process, God just confirmed in our heart that it was time to go and to live and to, to work among Muslim peoples at that time. And since that time, the Lord has called us different places. As a matter of fact, one of the places that Jim and I have been reaching out lately is in Assam, India. And uh, there's a guy named Sameshuddin, and Sameshuddin has a heart to reach him. We've been working in a network. Jim's going to tell you more about what he, we've been doing. But just the other day, they've been thinking, how can we reach out in the middle of COVID? How can we make a difference for the gospel? And since they're recently primarily reaching out to Muslims, which is sometimes a hard nut to crack, not too hard for God. They wanted to say, we're going to do all that we can to reach out in a very practical way by sharing food with the poorest of the poor. But giving them the greatest gift, and that's the good news that Jesus has made a way for them to be set free. And so that's part of, of giving and going. So my journey started here, but it's taken me all over the world. And part of what I would say to myself and to you is to be obedient what God's asking you to do. That's good. Well, Cheryl, what's been the hardest part? 20 years, what's been hard? Besides living with me? Oh, sorry. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, that's been good. Um, I don't know. I've shared a room with him. He's no <laughs> No comment. Um, probably missing family and friends. Um, like all of us, uh, missing a lot of things right now during the COVID, things that are canceled. But during the years we've been away, missing family weddings or graduations, uh, not being able to help a friend move or grieve in a loss um, or just help a friend move or share a gallon of Bluebell ice cream watching Texas sunsets. So we do miss a lot of things, but I wouldn't change any of it because God has provided for us on the field in all sorts of ways. That's good. And one more unscripted question. Sure. Ready, Scott? Yeah, I'm ready. I know How can coming. we specifically pray for you? Uh, I think the best way for you guys to pray for us is that we could see more people raised up. We want to empower. We want to give away everything that God has given us. And we want to see um, believers coming to faith, first people, the lost coming to faith, and then them empowered to go and make disciples. You know, we're, give me a second, we're two, you know, Second Corinthians, you know, 5, 17, 10, 20, we are new creations. We are ambassadors at the same time. We can't split that apart. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a new creation. And you're also an ambassador with the best news ever. And so would you pray that we can be a part of raising up a generation of South Asians, of Nigerians, of Ghanaians, or whoever puts God in our path, that they could see them become disciple makers. That's good. Let me pray. Father God, I do pray over Scott and Cheryl. I ask that you would bless them and protect them and their family, not only their health, Lord, and their travels, but their hearts and their ministry. Father, we pray to you as the Lord of the harvest. To send the workers out into the field. Allow Scott and Cheryl to equip and raise and make ready people who can share the good news of who and what you are. That you have fulfilled the promises that you gave us. That we are new creations. That the old is gone. Father, that we are clean and we stand holy and pure before you in your son's name. Bless them and protect them. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. I have to watch the clock. 
As the missions pastor here at Central, I wanted to give you a little bit of state of the missions update and what we've been doing in the last year. Of course, the COVID has had some impact on what we're doing. I haven't traveled internationally in eight months, and we figured out it's been 23 years since that happened. So my feet are getting a little itchy. I'm ready to go. But we've still been very active in ministry and in missions here at Central. Uh, Last October, I went to um, Chicago and then up to Calgary to meet with Haiti Healthcare Advocates and uh, Hope Lives, which is a Canadian partner that we have, and we work at a hospital in Marchand Dessalines, Haiti, and we were able to raise money and make commitments for construction. We put in new sets of of latrines and working on the maternity suites and trying to bring health care to the people in the Artibanit Valley in that part of the world. I also went with Scott to India twice last year, I think, where we're teaching Bible storying. We're teaching a course developed by the IMB called Foundations. And it's just a basic doctrine or a basic understanding of the Bible, but it's taught orally for people who don't necessarily know how to read. And we've gone through four sessions. We have two left. I just waded through Kings and Prophets, and next comes the Gospels. I mean, finally we get to Jesus and then the early church of the last two. So I'm ready to go back and finish that out. We have had to cancel a lot of trips. And uh, we've canceled... uh, a trip to Keho, Central Africa Healthcare Organization that I work with in North Africa, mostly in Burundi and, and Rwanda, trying to um, bring health care to people there that are, are, it's just a war-torn area. There's a lot of refugees, and there's been a lot of damage and destruction there in the last 20, 25 years. We canceled trips to Haiti, uh, mostly because of violence again, uh, very, very poor people, and we were afraid to put people on the road because there had been kidnappings and robbings. We've actually raised the money to build a clinic in South Haiti in a place called VLA. I have a set of blueprints. We're ready to go and start construction. But we don't want to endanger people's lives by sending truckloads of cement down out of Port-au-Prince to where the construction will take place. And hopefully when this COVID slows down a little bit, we'll be able to get that construction done. These people had a hospital that was destroyed in a hurricane about five years ago. I think five years ago. And then we found out that that area was not being served with childhood immunizations, prenatal vitamins and testing, HIV. A lot of things that through our hospital we can get for free because there are international aid organizations that will supply it, but only to a structure. You can't drive up in a pickup truck and pick up. $50,000 worth of immunizations for children. But those children still need them. So we're ready to build this clinic and we have the funds to do it. We're just waiting for the political situation to allow us to go in. Last year, Central bought a mission house here behind us. We've been working hard. A lot of people here in this church have contributed labor, time, and funds to remodel this and get it ready for short-term visits by visiting missionaries. Also working with Harry's here this morning, Harry Bowden, uh, trying to put together an organization to develop a missionary village that will be in Leander where we can put together six or eight long-term residents for people that are coming back on furlough and could stay six or eight or 12 months and have a place to stay without um, 
having to impose on family. It's very difficult sometimes for missionaries coming home on furlough to find a place to stay for an extended period of time. Central continues to work with a lot of benevolent, focused ministries, both here and internationally. But we really try to partner with ministries that share a cup of water in Christ's name. So that they do a benevolent gift or or project in a part of the world, they follow that up with a presentation of the gospel. So we're active supporting people on six different continents right now. and it's gone pretty well. I mean, I think a lot of people are, a lot of people are heavily involved. Even though it's shut down, they're able to stay where they are locally and still have impact on the communities around them. And um, we're working with orphanages in a couple different parts of the world, different uh, handicap homes for handicapped people, where handicapped people are throwaway people. We're still working in India with slavery and with children that have been set free out of slavery. We just completed a couple wells in Liberia. I think that's on the website. Chris had put that up there. That was in April, I believe. Two deep water wells. As the water table sinks in Western Africa, people, villages that used to have water no longer have it. So we're able to help dig some deeper wells. Uh, Clean water is like the number one necessity in your life. We also work with Baptist Global Relief, and, and we try to gift them with the funding to drill wells wherever there might be an earthquake or any natural disaster, they'll go in and begin to provide uh, assistance to the people there, including new wells so they can get water. We continue to work with refugees in Jordan and then here locally. The ones in Jordan are people coming out of the Syrian, Afghanistan, Iraqi conflict. And then a lot of them, once they come to the United States, we're able to help them set up and and begin to have a normal life. We're involved in teaching English classes and supplying them with their basic needs. Then we continue to work with people that are coming out of trafficking issues and abuse issues so they have a safe place to go and to heal and begin to come back into society. We work with indigenous pastors and evangelists in many different parts of the world. We especially work with a lot of college-based ministries Believing that as kids separate from high school and their families and go to university, there's a great fallout in spirituality and church attendance. And we think that by helping have people there to keep them spiritually in touch, maybe we can lead them away from falling off and falling into into worldly ways. We also use those ministries to touch international students. There are a lot of students that have come to the United States to study, and they will never have access to the gospel in their home countries. But by reaching them here, we hope to empower them to be missionaries and take that back with them. and They become the people sharing the gospel in their home country. All this is done because of your constant and generous donations to Central Baptist Church. Central tithes 10% of all income into the mission field. And we've been able to have great impact and build relationships with many different ministries because of that. And again, that's you doing it. But I did want to give a bit of a sermon today, if that's okay. I wanted to look at the book of uh, Exodus. You know, we had a great month. We had Pastor Allen, the communicator, kick the month off. And Mark, I think sometimes the Holy Spirit texts him and tells him where to hit me in the head when he speaks. Last week we had Pastor Brett, who just exposes the meaning and truth behind scriptures. And I really appreciate that from him. 
But we were looking last week at Moses standing on the mountain in commune with God, seeing God face to face. And, uh, I mean, here's Moses, this hero of the Scriptures, probably looking a lot like Charlton Heston, standing there and God is is speaking to him. It's pretty amazing, but I wanted to rewind that back a little bit in the book of Exodus. So I'm in Exodus chapter 3. We're told that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And the first book he wrote, Genesis, was probably a compilation of the oral history of the Jewish people. But as we move into the second book, Exodus, it's really Moses writing his autobiography. He's telling exactly what happened and what he did. And he tells it warts and all. I mean, that's what we're going to look at now. Starting in, um, well, let me... Let me give you a little bit of a background. So Moses has just completed his education 40 years in the University of the Desert. And God's got him a place where he can listen. And God speaks to Moses through a burning bush. And they commune with each other. But then God says, now I'm going to send you to Egypt to bring my people out of slavery. I've heard my people cry out. And he uses the word now twice. And that word translated puts some urgency to what's being said. Now is the time for you to go. And Moses, being this great stalwart hero of the Bible in Exodus 3.11, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? I'm not good enough to do this. I'm just me. You know, I'm not Scott. I'm not a missionary, I'm just me. And in Exodus 3.12, God answers. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I find that very interesting because so often we, when I say we, I usually mean me, just so you know. <laughs> not you, I'm worried about me. But so often we're asking God for a sign. Show me. Show me what to do. Give me a sign. And here God says, I will give you a sign after you've done what I've told you to do. That's interesting. To me, anyway. I mean, that's fascinating because I wanted an affirmation before. And, of course, then Moses submits to God's will. In Exodus 3.13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? That's the second time he questions. And in Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. I am sufficient. I am your all in all. I am the God of the universe. I am everything you can think of. And that's enough. Just tell them it's me. Four one. I'll skip a little bit. Exodus four one. Moses answered, "What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you?" Then the Lord said to him, "What is that in your hand?" A staff, he replied. A stick. A dead piece of wood. A shepherd's crook. And God is saying, "What you have is sufficient." It's not about what you have. It's about my empowerment. It's about my Holy Spirit working through you. Moses doesn't have much, but we know from the story here and then further into the book, 
He does miraculous things with the staff. He parts the Red Sea. He draws water from stone. He throws it down. It becomes a snake that eats the Egyptian snakes. It's a piece of wood. It's a staff. What you have is sufficient. You know, often here in churches that you need to let go of everything you have and allow God to fill your hands. But I don't wonder if sometimes God isn't telling us, you already have what you need. You already have it. Moses, why aren't you doing what I told you to do? In Exodus um, 4.10, But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And this is the greatest hurdle for people. It is not easy to get up here and speak to you. And for most people, public speaking is one of the greatest fears that they have. But God calls us to share his word, to share his message, to share the good news. And that may be in England or India. It may be in Central Africa or it may be the guy across the street, the person in your Boy Scout troop, the person on your soccer team. I don't know. But God calls us to speak. And this is a great fear for many people. In 411, Exodus 4.11, the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Again, now, go. There's an imperative there. There's an urgency. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. That's a promise from God. He will help us. He will teach us if we will be willing. Exodus 4.13, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I don't want to go. Let him go. Let her go. Let them go. Leave me alone. And here's a hard verse, hard verse. Exodus 4.14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. That's a scary verse. That's one of those really scary verses. There's another one, you know, the Spirit of the Lord left Saul. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. That's, that's harsh, man. That's hard stuff. Because we commit to be followers of God. We commit our time and our talents and our energies for His service and His use. But we're not always obedient. I wanted to use one other verse. I'll tell you they're going to put it up there. And that's Ephesians 2.10. We had this in our ABF class today. And it says, For we are God's handiwork. Pastor Mark is our Greek scholar here. He says that word can be translated as masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared something for you to do. God has prepared something for me to do. I need to do what he prepared for me, but you need to do what he prepared for you. But like Moses, we all have many excuses. I'm not good enough. Nobody will believe me. I don't speak publicly. I don't have the stuff it takes to do it. God says, I will be with you. I will equip you to speak. What's that you have in your hand? Why are we not being obedient as a people? 
What's your excuse? Do you have something new? Moses has, I don't know, four or five verses in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is called the Faith Hall of Fame, and it lists all these wonderful, holy, holy people. Thank you, Lord. My heart needs the rain. Thank you. And in Hebrews 11, it mentions Moses and everyone else. But then we go to Hebrews 12:1, and it says, For we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. And that's referring back to these, the Hall of Fame, these, these superheroes of the Bible, including Moses. And so as God directs us to do something and we make an excuse, sometimes I wonder if Moses isn't sitting there saying, Man... I tried that when it didn't work. I wrote it down in the book. Don't use that excuse. You're going to have to get a new one. God wants us to do what He has prepared for us to do. And I'm afraid that we're often not doing it. So I'm scheduled to speak here today, and I decided I needed to have an anecdote, you know, a time in my life where where God told me to do something, and I thought of an excuse, and course, I think highly of myself. I couldn't think of one thing. I mean, I'm obedient to God all the time. And Thursday morning, funny how God works in our lives, isn't it? Thursday morning, I was over at the mission house, and the crew that had raised the house up for us came back to do just a couple little things to get it ready and completed. And, and there was a gentleman there named David. And David engaged me, and we started talking and he said, where's the church? And I said, oh, it's up there over the hill. And he said, you know, I think I went to that church two or three times. I said, well, how was it? He said, well, the people were very nice. It was good. I said, that's, that, that's neat and that speaks well to y'all. And then he asked me, he said, is there a group of people from that church that go to Granger? Well, I've been coming to this church for over 25 years and as long as I've been here, people have gone out to the Central Texas Treatment Center and done a church service every Sunday. They've been doing that forever and continue to do it today when it was in Georgetown and now that it's out in Granger. And I said, yeah, we have people that do that. And he said, do you play the guitar? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, I thought I'm, I remembered you from when you were out there. He said, I was there in 2009, and I'm, I'm out, and I've got 12 years sobriety. I'm married. I have a three-year-old daughter. Life is good. And I turned away from that, and that's when God hit me in the head. When I started coming to this church, I used to go out there once a month. And then it kind of slipped about once a quarter, and then I was going out before every mission trip, and truth is, I only went out there once in this last year. And I've been making excuses. I'm busy. I teach ABF class. I have things to do. I'm tired. My wife has to sit here by herself if I go out there. I've been making excuses and not doing what I'm called to do. And I do know that when the COVID allows people back in there, I will be back out there. And we'll be there regularly. But I want to ask you, what is it that you're not doing? God wants you to do. What is your excuse? Is it a new one? Is it a brand new, interesting one? Or are you using the same old excuses that everyone else has used? 
God has created something for you to do. You specifically. You are His masterpiece. He made you to do this. He prepared it in advance for you to do. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? These are questions we need to ask ourselves continually. And if not, why not? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you praying for prophetic revelation. You would place into our minds that which you would have us do. Give us clear understanding. Give us strength and perseverance to follow after you. Take away all our excuses. Find us faithful to the calling. Faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us and protect us. Use us for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of